755 is real is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the Game Time app. Once you've pinpointed seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the Game Time two-step checkout next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, and I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves left-hander, uh, which is really pertinent this week, given that it's the week of signing former Braves left-handers. Not O'Flaherty; he's still retired. What's up, Eric? Out in Seattle? Nothing, man. Uh, just, just trying to adjust. Got back from Hawaii last week, and it's uh, a little gloomy here, man. It's it's been raining like every day since we got home. So, yeah, strapping in. You know, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really think about that when it's bad enough coming back from Hawaii because I've been a few times myself coming back from Hawaii to like Atlanta. And fortunately, it hasn't been too bad when I've coming back. But going back to Seattle in the middle of uh, fall winter, yeah, that would be like. <laughs> like uh what 14 hours of sun to zero hours of sun <laughs> yeah we, we've been talking about moving for like three days now just <laughs> but our, you know the thing is is the kids love being outside i got two boys they're they're one and four so they just run around the, all day long you know unlimited energy and in hawaii man we just set them loose you know they run around the pool the the grass yeah. out there and everything and then here they're stuck in the house, man. They just they're losing yeah. their their minds by like eleven a.m. My <laughs> wife's had enough. It's just like, man, we get cabin fever up here. You gotta put that batting cage in, man. Do you have a batting cage in the house in the basement or something? No, that's the other thing is there's not there's not a lot of we don't have a lot of property. Uh, and it's the real estate here is crazy. So yeah. it's not like you know yeah. Atlanta. You spend four hundred grand, you get a nice house, and yeah, here. People spend a million to tear a house down. Yeah. It's totally different. So, <laughs> do you have a basement? Yeah. Yeah. Our bedrooms are down there. Oh, all right. Well, that's not nice. Yeah. You got to build yeah. that extension. You got to do that Freddie Freeman batting cage for the kid. Yeah. If, I mean, if we move to the other side of the state, we could do that. It's, it's a lot cheaper over yeah. there. We've been talking about that. Well, if you sell that Better car, weather. man, you can do it with that money. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's that, not a money, man. It's that, just space. There's just no space to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, if anybody out there wants an Audi A10, he's got a mint condition one for sale. So you can get a hold it's of it. It's an R8. It's an R8. Oh, it's an R8 with a 10 liter engine? V10. 10, V10, 10, yeah. V10 engine. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about with an R8 V10. Um, You're close. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's badass. It's like, it looks like a Formula One car. All right. Hey, look, yeah. we, we got actually something to talk about this time, man. Bold yeah. first offseason move by the Bravos, I would say. Second year in a row they've done this, but for really different situations, different reasons why they jumped early. Last year with uh, with Josh Donaldson, it was because the Braves wanted to get a big bat, and 
they knew, you know, uh, Alex Anthopoulos knew Donaldson's coming off the injuries, chance to get him, and they wanted to get that knocked out of the way, figure out what it was going to cost, what they were going to have left over. So they jumped on Donaldson early and made sure they could do that and then uh, moved forward filling the rest of their needs. This year they did it early for an entirely different reason. Will Smith, the left-handed closer from the Giants, brave sign last week, and they did it because – or they did it this early because – uh, they were right up against that deadline for teams to, or for players to accept or reject the $17.8 million qualifying offers they got from their teams, which Donaldson and what seven of the nine other guys who got them did. They, 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 uh, uh, declined them, which we all knew they would because they can get uh, more in multi year deals with from this or other teams. Um, but in Will Smith's case, his agent smartly used that. $17.8 million offer because he said, hey, and, and he wasn't lying. He said, we'll be glad to take this and stay with the Giants if uh, we don't get a better deal, but we need to do it now. And so the Braves jumped on it, made their best offer, and got him for three years, $40 million guaranteed. They'll pay him $39 million over the next three years. And then there's a $13 million uh, option at on the fourth year with a million-dollar buyout. So it's a three-year, $40 million contract. And uh, they're getting a hell of a pitcher with that. Would you? Uh, you've 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 watched him quite a bit, right? Oh yeah. Uh, you know that it shows you too. The market's changed a lot, man. A, a guy his yeah, uh, yeah. his quality uh, level reliever. You know they they were getting fifty sixty million a few years ago. So absolutely, I don't think it's a. I think it's a good deal for for all sides. You know he gets he gets himself a three year guarantee. Um, it, it's anytime you have a lefty that could throw hard and get righties and lefties out. He, yeah, closing. He, I mean, he's coming off his best year. He's still he's still relatively young. Uh, and more than anything, man, it's just it's it, it kind of fires me up to see him spending money early and and yeah. and not be afraid to make moves and get after it because you know I've heard a lot of and seen a lot of comments about the team not spending money and kind of you know holding on to it the last few years. Well, I mean that's a nice nice big move to start your offseason off and show that they're. Uh, I think that I think they're getting ready to really make some moves and go for it the next few years and and try to capitalize on this window. And while anytime you 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 go in for a reliever in a multi year deal, there's some risk because he's thirty years old, yeah. so there's some risk. Um, it I think it's tempered a little bit by the fact that his slider is such a devastating pitch, and that's his real out pitch and the real reason that separates him from you know most other pitchers. Uh, as opposed to being a guy like, you know, the St. Louis kid that throws 104 miles an hour. That's not what he's doing, Max Effort, uh, every pitch. He throws plenty hard, but it's the slider that makes him so effective against lefties and righties, man. Yeah, and, you know, your ability to spin the ball is something that you don't really lose. Uh -huh. At least I found that. Uh -huh. You know, I still had a good slider even even when I started throwing 88, 89 and, and couldn't really locate my fastball anymore. My sliders probably will help me make the team. Um, yeah. Last few years I played, but so you know if he loses a little velocity, um, he still knows how to pitch, still knows how to spin the ball, and has that plus slider. Um, you don't have as much to worry about with yeah a guy that throws 104. If he starts losing velocity, yeah, and he's throwing 96 and it's flat and he doesn't know how to pitch or spin the ball, those guys can fall off a cliff. But Smith's also left-handed, so uh -huh. he's gonna have value being left-handed as well. But I don't really think you have to worry about this guy falling off. He's a big, strong, yeah, just physical guy, and I'm sure he's happy. He's from Georgia, right? Yeah, he's from just so, outside of uh, Atlanta, Noonan, where a few few yeah, Braves so, in the past have actually lived during the season. Yeah, he's he's gonna be fired up to be putting on that uniform. Yeah, he's talked. He's told friends over the years, in recent years, that he'd love to be back here, and now they made it happen. They were looking at him last year at the trade deadline 
when they got Melanson, the Giants ended up holding on to Will Smith and Bumgarner, you know, and trying to make a run for it. And then they quickly, that came apart. But uh, Braves have had their eye on him for a while. Um, I said, just to give people some idea of what a strikeout guy this is, I set 60 innings as a minimum, and, and I looked in the majors at strikeout rates. And for starters and relievers combined, Will Smith was ninth in the majors last year at 13.22 strikeouts per nine innings. That was just behind Chris Sale at 13.32, Felipe Vasquez at 13.5, and Garrett Cole at 13.82. So that's kind of the company you're talking about as far as you know, some of those starters, a couple of those guys, obviously, but you're talking about that kind of guy, that kind of a strikeout guy, you know, multiple strikeouts per inning. Well, if you want reference, you know, that's usually about what Craig was at was 13 to 14 yeah. Kimbrell. You know, he, yeah. uh, right. that's right. usually, he was, he was like a 13, 14 per nine guy. So that's plenty of three. I didn't know he struck right out that many guys. Yeah. I didn't know he struck out that many. Yeah. Um, and I heard an amazing stat on his uh, slider. Uh, hitters were seven for 99 this year against Will Smith on two strike sliders. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's called being effective against lefties and righties, huh? Yeah. I I don't think, you know, I don't, is he going to close or is he, um, well, if you listen to Alex, so what the, or the team right now, they're saying, you know, and we're going to talk about this with him this afternoon. There's a press conference Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. So. Oh, okay. But uh, right now they're saying the plan is still Melanson. Um, but we know how quickly that can change. When Green came over last year and struggled in the first couple of appearances, Melanson took over as closer, uh, and Snit didn't even hesitate to make that move. So. I could see a scenario where both of them close early at least and and that Will Smith also gets a real high leverage innings in seventh and eighth when the game's on the line and there's you know certain matchups that favor him. I, I could see Snit doing a lot of things using matchups and looking at Melanson when he matches up particularly well against some guys that are due up in the ninth, that kind of thing. What about you? You see you know, uh, that would well, work. I th- I, yeah, yeah, and I think it's almost more valuable to be able to yeah. to move him around a little bit. Um, you've seen kind of the value a guy like Josh Hader can have yeah. out of the pen. Um, I mean, sometimes, man, you, you get a huge situation in the seventh inning, and, and just because you're stuck right. in this usage pattern where I have to use my closer here, right. I have to use this guy there, I always like having an established closer. I just think that it's it's just a little different than any other role in the pen. Yeah. But if you have if you have your seventh and eighth inning guys, one's a lefty, one's a righty, like Smith and Green would be to, to kind of start the season um, – being able to match them up and line them up with the most favorable matchups or save, you know, Smith for some tough lefty. Um, so you can have Smith for Harper, regardless if it's a six or the eighth inning. Um, and yeah. he's got that nasty slider, man. You can almost count on canceling him out, you know, yeah. and, and just making him just a non-factor until the ninth. And then, and then your closer faces him too. But, um, I always like being able to toy around and move those two seventh and eighth inning guys around to get the best matchup. But you know, it's, he was closing over Melanson in uh, yeah in San Francisco, right? So yeah, he took it, over. Yeah, in 2018, he took over when Melanson was kind of recovering from uh, sur- from surgery, arm surgery. Yeah, and sometimes guys are just so nasty that they just they just force themselves into that closer role, and and you know a couple tough losses can be deflating. So it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. But yeah, it's just a man. That's a great early move to just get that done right there. And how about having because uh, they've got. You know Shane Green under uh, contractual control at last year of arbitration, and they say there, there's no plans to get rid of him either. So you're talking about having Melanson, a former 
uh, league saves leader, and two guys who were all-star closers last year because Green was an all-star closer with the Tigers before they traded for him. And Will Smith was an all-star with the Giants last year. So, I mean, that's that's a hell of a trio at the back end. You know and something about those three, trios like yeah, that. No, yeah. <laughs> no, that's – I always tell this story that, um, you know, when we, we played the Giants in 2011, we had those three guys, me, me Craig, and Johnny kind of uh-huh. were all hot at the same time for, for a whole year. And uh, I remember talking to DeRosa after we played them, and he was telling me how, you know, having that nasty of a pen – it made Derek Lowe nastier that whole game because they felt this pressure to put numbers up against him, or it made yeah. you know Tommy or or Medlin, whoever was starting that game. He said it it made our starters better having that good of a pen, and you know that's one of those things you really can't equate and and analyze with numbers. It's because you it's really hard to to dissect how the right. hitters would have you know been swinging earlier in the count or felt that pressure. Yeah, something you can't measure at all, but. Uh, for him, he said it, it, it's a definite thing. So them, you know, going back and building this pen back up because, you know, they lost Martin, right? He's free agent. Yeah. So um, having again, though, having three guys like that, then you got Nuke down there and, and Luke Jackson, man. Luke closed for a lot of the year. Exactly. Uh, it's, it, uh, the pens, the pens locked in. I mean, yeah, you can put it that way. They you got Webb they, coming they back. Out, got this guy. Yep. Yeah. So look, I mean, if you have a pen like that, um, you know, you maybe add a starter or something like that, yeah. and your pitching staff's just set right now. You got Newcomb, you depending on how they it. use him. I mean, yeah, you got you got some arms. You got an arsenal down there. And how about the two slider guys now? I'm not comparing, uh, you know, Luke to Will Smith, but you're talking about two slider guys. Luke has a huge strikeout rate too, so that's yeah, he does. They can make him some hitters look pretty bad. Two of those. Well, guys. you want strikeout guys down there too, yeah. so they got a strikeout guy from both sides. But- yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I really like how the pen's shaking out. That's that's a nasty pen. Yeah, and to get it knocked out early and not worry about picking up the scraps, you know, like they've done in the past sometimes, you know, and trying to get guys in the spring or trade for guys, you know, late, you know. So th- I like it too. I like it too. So you how's can- it work? Uh, how's it work if they if they sign another dude that got a qualifying offer? They lost their second highest qualif- uh, second highest draft pick uh, for signing uh, this qualifying offer guy, and they would lose their third highest pick if they signed, say, Bumgarner. You know, another guy that turned down a qualifying offer. So, in one as in one respect, you know, they're giving it's up less better. to sign this next guy because it's not as high yeah. a value pick. On the other hand, you're giving up two of your first three picks. But if they don't sign Donaldson, they get a pick back too. So, a lot of things in play still. A lot of moving parts. Um, so Smith, uh, Will Smith is the first of the top 20 rated free agents to sign this winner. Um, and like I said, it's a year after the Braves made that early strike last year when they signed JD to that one year, $23 million deal. Will, Will is from Noonan, Georgia, as we said, he's told people for a while he wanted to come back. Uh, Braves made it happen. Now this is a, uh, I mean, they're clearly serious about having a stellar pen because now you've got $27 million committed next season to the two former Giants, Smith and Mark Melanson. Uh, and you've got you've got uh, another 6 or $7 million to Green, assuming they keep him. And like I said, so far I've heard nothing, no reason to think they're not. So you're all of a sudden looking for, at a team that over the years, as you know, that went with – you know, guys who weren't at eligible for reagency yet, a bunch of scrap heat type guys for the most part, and one, you know, paid one closer really. 
uh, that really got by on the cheap for a lot of years with their pen. All of a sudden, you're looking at the Braves have $33, $34 million committed to three relievers. Yeah, I think it always kind of works like that, though. Um, it's where, where the game is right now, too. I mean, especially has been. Yeah, but, you know, like, I don't think they want to get caught in the position they were in last year. Yeah. Oh, um, I think it's a great move. And you got – you can do it because you're paying so little at a few other positions where most teams are paying $10, $15 million a piece or more. Yeah, it's one way to look at Ozzy and uh, yeah. Acuna's deals. is like you just get free relievers every year for the next eight. <laughs> <laughs> or for you a while I mean? at least before they start yeah. making, you know, at least somewhat serious money. In Acuna's case, you know, $17 million. For now, they're making, There's you know, still million. be a discount. Uh, yeah, for now they're making nothing, you know. Yeah, and neither is Dansby. He's not making hardly anything, and 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 your two of your starters aren't making anything in uh, in Soroka and uh, Freed. So yeah, you got uh, you got a lot of position. And Marquecas is and 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 Duvall, that that whole platoon's not making hardly anything. Yeah, you can afford to do it because of that. And these are short deals. So you know, Melanson's only one more, three for Will Smith. By the time you know those guys are making money, you can you rejigger your uh, your uh, allocations of your. I got to ask funds. again because I'm not. Uh, I should know this, but I don't. Uh, so they offered uh, JD a qualifying offer, and you said if they if they don't sign him, they'll get a pick they, back. But yeah, they don't. They can just sign him and 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 keep him, and nothing happens, right? right. I mean, right. you just keep your your guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, they signed him. Yeah, so they basically they just make the offer and then they can continue negotiating with him just like any other team can. So I'd almost just, I mean, you, it's kind of makes sense to to sign multiple qualifying offer guys in one season to me, you know, because then you lose, you lose a lower quality pick. It does, especially after after you maybe the second one. You then you're talking about guys who are you know not long shots, but really you don't have a whole lot of you know. It, it, but you it, could technically, it drops off in a hurry when you're losing those picks. Yeah, right. But you could sign three guys that got offered qualifying offers, and and you really only you lose you know a second and a third pick because yeah. JD's yours. But that's a uh, man. Those I mean, that you, they could make some if they get him back and sign one more guy. Like I think you've talked about Bumgarner, man. That's or or Wheeler. That's that's a Wheeler. Quality, yeah, quality those staff. two qualifying offer guys. Or even it, even if pretty he, much. And even if you had to do a lot, if you went, you know, if 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 the bidding for those two guys just got beyond what you're comfortable with, which I hope for the Braves' sake it doesn't, but there are worse things than ending up with, you know, a couple of the other guys that are out there right now, like Cole Hamels, for instance, you know. Uh, you know, he no, he's not what he was, obviously, but he's still a pretty solid pitcher. I mean, a really a very good middle rotation guy. And if you're talking Soroka free, and he's another guy that could play that part of the veteran who really could help these guys because he's gone about it the right way, knows how to approach. He's been in every situation, postseason, regular season, good by all accounts, good dude to work with young guys. So there are options. You know, if you don't get one of those first guys, then 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 you could still come out pretty good. You know, you're not you're not waiting until spring training to sign a guy off the scrap heap, which even in that case worked out. Well, a couple of years ago with Anibal yeah. Sanchez. So, I mean, they're, I just don't see the Braves being caught with their pants down, uh, whether they do it now, getting a guy, you know, uh, like a Cole Hamels if the others fall through, or wait until spring to do it. But I think they'll make something happen, even if they have to trade for one. They're not, they're not going to go into the, ro- the season uh, hoping that a young guy can fill those last spot or two in the rotation. 
you need you need one guy. I think Cole Hamels is a good one too. Imagine his uh, imagine his changeup rubbing off on Newcomb. Oh. And you another know, guy that's, that's a totally different look. You know, you, you know how you right. go with everybody in the in the rotation has a real different look. Keep hitters off balance in a series. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I still like Hamels. Yeah. If Madden doesn't take him out to uh, L.A., I think the Braves could uh, have a real good shot at him if uh, if for some reason Bumgarner falls through or. Hell, you never know. You might you might be able to do both. <laughs> it seems a little less likely now that you've spent thirteen million on Will Smith and you still got to get a third baseman and a catcher. But so, yeah, good start though. It's a good start for the Braves. A lot of work to do, but it's a good first first uh, strike from uh, from Alex Anthopoulos. To me, it says he's serious again, like like last year. That they're not, you know, they're not going to just be comfortable being a, a contender for the division title. They got to break through one of these years, and I think. Having a really formidable rotation gives you a whole lot of uh, confidence going into a postseason series, too. You know, you still got to add to that rotation, so you have three real viable guys in a postseason series. But, man, to be able to turn it over, because as we've seen in these postseason games, with the exception of, a, you know, two or three of the old-school type go eight, nine innings guys, most of these most of these postseason games end up the starters out after about five innings. No, Grinky got yanked. Grinky yeah. got yanked at like eighty pitches. Yeah. You know, I mean, he given up one run. I, that that was for me the biggest sign I've seen. The times have just completely changed. Is that you know I talked to David Ross about that because he had just gotten hired to to be the Cubs manager, and yeah, I was watching that game, and I thought, no way in hell do you take Grinky out. And yeah, sure enough, the next you know what watch what happened. But um, I talked to Rossi about that, and he just said, look, the thinking now is. Um, you'd rather take him out before he gives it up, and that whole third time through the order thing. Uh-huh. Um, the next couple guys weren't great matchups for him, but I was just going purely watching the game, no stats, no you know yeah. analytics or anything involved in in what I was seeing. And he said even after it happened, he's like, I probably would have made the same move as, as Hinch made. And I was like, dang man, because wow. I you know he's he's a really smart baseball guy, but yeah. Um, that's just that's kind of the the thought process now. So yeah, you're not going to see these starters going unless it's Verlander or Cole, somebody that's just you're just not taken out of the game. Uh, you're not you're not going to see these guys going seven eight innings in playoffs anymore. It's weird. So that's so you got to talk to to, to David Ross. Uh, what is your feel for? Does does he strike you as? Yeah, I mean, because he's old school in a lot of ways, obviously. But he he sounds like he's a guy that's really amenable to changes and all, everything that's going on with analytics and all that. Is that a good read on it? I mean, that he's really ready ready to go along with the program there. Yeah, but he his you know I was really impressed with his press conference because, I you know the Cubs put him through the ringer before they hired him. Um, yeah, and the thing they loved about him is the conviction he has in in, in the things he says and does, and uh-huh. and how much thought he put it, puts into it, you know, naturally. But um, he's basically said, "Look, I'm going to take every number you throw at me. I'll consider everything, but I'm going to make my decision and stick by it." Right. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be all numbers based. If that's if good. I feel good about More a guy like watching the way he's throwing the ball, right, right, and that's you know that that's totally different. Where I think that's why Kapler got hired by the Giants is because Farhan um, Zidi, yeah. the the guy that you know yeah. just went over there, he's he strictly believes in those numbers too. And that's I was in Oakland when he was there, and that's just that's how they do it. You know, there could yeah. be a guy that you had hit, you were six for seven with five homers off of, and the numbers could say it was a bad matchup. You're not facing yeah. that pitcher. 
Uh, and that's how strongly some organizations believe in numbers. Now, um, I think Rossi will be kind of in the middle where he'll take it all into consideration. But if he sees a guy that's just, you know, lights out, not getting hit, he might take a chance with, yeah. you know, letting him face a guy that's supposedly a bad matchup and see how it goes. But I don't know, man, I'm excited for him just to see just to see how it plays out and, and how it goes. You know, I'm really hoping it, it goes well for him. I like that guy a lot. He was able to convince them uh, and they obviously believe him when he says, you know, the whole uh, Grandpa Rossi uh, persona and all that. No, <laughs> maybe got overdone. But he said, "Listen, that's not going to happen when I, when it gets in. He's going to put put lay down the law right away and you know set some boundaries and that kind of thing." I think he's a, such a smart guy that he'll be able to to make those adjustments in a hurry and let people know. You know, you, forget what I was like as a player. Take the best parts of that, but I'm the manager now. Well, that Grandpa Rossi thing, man, came. I didn't know that guy. I never met that guy playing with him. I didn't you know, either. Didn't he's an either. asshole when we were teammates. <laughs> Every day, you know, yeah. he's he's a guy that holds his teammates more accountable than anyone. And I could have been out to dinner with him, having a great time, laughing our asses off the night before. And if I came to the field late the next day, yeah, he was going to treat me just like anybody else. And and I think that was kind of the big fear that a lot of Cubs fans had was that they were hiring this guy that was going to be buddy buddy with Rizzo yeah. and Bryant and all these guys he played with. Um, but I think the reason everybody respects him so much and, and John Lester too, is that he will get up in your, in your business. I mean, he will, he will wear you out and he will get just as angry with you as anybody that's not his buddy or someone on the other team. He just, you know, he just, and I think it's really valuable, um, trade of his is he just holds everybody accountable. Um, regardless, regardless of what you've accomplished in the game, uh, if you're out of line, he's going to let you know every single time relentlessly. There's there's no free passes. There's never a break. Um, I think that's really valuable to have in, in any environment, but especially, you know, a, a clubhouse or, or team environment where guys get big heads and start trying to see what they can get away with. And you do not get away with anything ever around that guy. It's, it's, it's probably the coolest thing about him. So I think he'll do great as a manager, especially that aspect, you know, managing the clubhouse. I think it's going to be a good, a good change from uh, Madden, who's – you know, time. love him or, or hate him, but his act can get a little old, especially if you're not winning the way, you know, you initially did or the way you envisioned. You know, the, the shtick is good if you're winning, but it's, if you're not, it's shtick. And you won't get any of that with Ross. Right. So. Well, um, he did do a lot of good things, Madden, you know, letting the guys kind of come to the field a little later sometimes yeah. and getting rid of some of the, yeah. the eyewashy stuff. But the mariachi band and, right. you know, on a Tuesday is kind of like and the llama right, and the clubhouse and all that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is helping us or not. It's kind of the <laughs> DJ. Some of that stuff's just like, all right, man, can we just get back to playing baseball? Right. So right. I think there's kind of a fine, you know, there's a balance, but uh, I think Rossi will be a nice change for sure. All right, so so what do you think is the most important remaining move for the Braves? Third base or getting a frontline yeah. starter or both? Well, yeah. I think catcher's important too. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, oh, is catcher up there too, right up there with those, you know, with those I think so. Yeah. Um but I think that you know, if bringing the you talk you lost B Mac, you um yeah. Marquez is coming back. Um you know, it's, I think that the veterans did a really good job running this team last year and, and I, th I think JD just made some contributions in the way he played just kind of, you know, he's just seemed like a spark plug for this team. Um, so I, for me, he'd be kind of priority number one, but mm -hmm. man, you don't know who's, who was watching that, what the show he put on. And, and like I said, I, I knew he was a great defender from playing with him in Oakland, but how many people when he came to Atlanta this year were just shocked at how yeah. well he plays third Everybody. base. 
you know. Um, so that's now he's played in both leagues and done that. And then a there could be some real serious year. suitors. Yeah, there could be some real serious suitors for him. So you don't know if that's going to get out of control. And I know the Braves started off the offseason spending money, but I don't see them getting paying him a hundred million. And right, he might get close to it. And he his agent's going to play hardball, and and this is last contract. So I don't think they can wait around and and. I think they got to kind of make their best offer and say, this is, you know, this is where we're at. And then after that kind of move on and, and finish your off season, but catcher's really important, man. You know, that's going to be calling the pitches and, and starting pitcher be nice. But right now I'd be, I'd be all in trying to sign JD back. Yeah. And they're keeping tabs on it and whether they've made their offer yet or not, they're, they're keeping tabs on where the market's going. So they'll know if there's even any reason to make their best offer. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, if it right. says like you, like if you, what you said, if it's going to four years and a hundred million or close, then they know they're not going to get involved in that. So an American league team is a lot more, I think, uh, fallback plan. Yeah, yeah. And a lot more inclined to do that because worst comes to worst, you know, he's going to be able to hit. Even if you can't right. move at third base anymore, if if you know something were to happen again with the Cavs or any type of injury, you you know he's still going to probably be able to stand in there and rake. So Nelson uh, Cruz is what forty one. Yeah. I don't know how old Nelson yeah, I mean, Cruz guys, is. But. There's a lot of guys that have made it into their you know late thirties uh, uh, or even older in the American League and still producing yeah. offensively. So, um, what about the outfield? I have a feeling Alex might try to make a big move there and add offense. I just particularly if they don't think they can re-sign Donaldson and they end up, you know, settling for uh, Mustakas, which that's not bad for settling, or, uh, or or even a lesser guy. You could uh, you could make a move, you know, for some outfield and, and uh, you know, sign a guy or trade for a guy. You know, the type of move like Will Smith, you, nobody saw coming that they didn't even know the Braves were involved in or whatever. I could see Alex doing that in the outfield. Yeah, it seems like everything with him just comes out of – left field but that's the way he likes you know it. it's yes yeah, that's a good way to do it yeah. um but you know yeah you wind up with Mustakas. this guy's hitting 30 something homers every year it keeps getting Seems one year like deals. It, i know i don't know maybe his defense is terrible i don't know what it's the, not terrible the you know it's not, it's not great it's not as good as josh but it's yeah. not bad it's not gonna kill you bro. right <laughs> so that wouldn't be a bad fallback plan but at some Two point years, that guy's gonna 20, be able to say yeah, yeah that pay me too but uh yeah you just i don't know i think that the hardest part is you just don't know what you're getting out of Ender at this point. Exactly. Uh, just with the injuries exactly. and stuff. It's a total be, coin flip, if, you know? It and is. I don't know it's, if it, I, it's a coin flip with performance and health the last few years. Yeah. It's, you know. I don't think you can afford to do that to go into the year as with just hoping that he can hold it together. Or, or, or at least, and, and, the, and the other bad part about that, the other aspect of that is unfortunate, is that he starts almost every season so slowly. If he was a quick starter, then you'd at least be able yeah. to look at, okay, he's going to play well in April, and then we, maybe hold it together at least till the, off, till the middle of the season before he gets hurt. But you can't look at it that way because he starts so slowly. And, and if he was a quick starter, you could look at adding one of those kids by midseason, you know, uh, Pache or yeah. Drew Waters. But you can't yeah. do that with Ender because he might get hurt in April or, or he's just going to struggle in April like he, he do, has done almost every year. Yeah, he's he's a question mark right now, and it's mainly just his health and and starting slow. It's the years he's been healthy, he finds a way to put up his numbers right. and his defense. You know, that's that's the reason for me that he's hard to give up on is his defense yeah. is so valuable. And the contract I mean, is you know pretty what, pretty team friendly. Yeah, yeah, decent contract. When he came back from the DL last year, I'm watching on TV. You just see balls hit to center field and watch him glide yeah. after him. It's just such a comforting yeah. feeling. You know, it's yeah. that's how good he is out there, but. 
yeah, it, it would be nice if, but the thing for me, man, is that they still have, you still got Aussie, Freddie, and Acuna right in the heart of that order. Um, Absolutely. You, you know, I don't think offense is Freddie with be no bone problem. spurs anymore in that elbow. <laughs> yeah, if he's healed up right, um, you're going to have offense. And you, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of Duvall yet either, but if he's that guy he was for a good part of that yeah. second half when he came up, I mean, there's, there's reason to believe you, you know, you could get by with this offense and do pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Just do you want to gamble or not? <laughs> I think that platoon, I, I the sad thing is I'm more confident in the platoon of Marcakis and Duvall than I am of Ender Enciarte. I mean, frankly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? it's just he's just it's he hasn't delivered, man. It's no. there's no way to sugarcoat it, you know. But it's part of yeah, the game. Yeah. But yeah, I like this offense. And the thing is with Freddie, I mean, he was he was having a career year until the bone spurs flare, flared up. And that's the thing is they might come back eventually. They're not coming back in a year or two, though. So he should be perfectly fine. And he's coming back from, you know, getting getting the loose particles removed and those bone spurs shaved down or whatever they did to him. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be a hundred percent by opening day because he's going to have all spring to you know to work and everything. I, I I fully expect him to come back. And it, would it surprise you at all if he had a career year? I mean. Playing healthy with a chip and, on his shoulder. Yeah, no, I mean chip on his I, I've shoulder. I've never seen Freddie with a chip on his shoulder. He'll come back in great he's shape. Gonna, he's going to be healthy. He that took a lot of that to heart, man. Yeah, yeah. I, that I that stuff it. hit him hard. The whole playoffs thing and, and the way you know the the fan reactions to it. I mean, he took that to heart. That hurt him. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You know, yeah, from you haven't I've heard a peep from talking to guys, and, and I don't think we will. I think he's just going to be obsessed. Uh, he's going to come into camp and just have a look in his eyes and be real quiet, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's just going to rake. Yeah, it could be. It could really be a season for him because he's still in his peak. Obviously, fully, fully capable of having two or three more huge years. Um, I can see it, man, because that elbow—it was locking up on him. He wasn't even able to straighten to straighten it out. Can you, he's going to come in, and that thing's going to feel golden for him. He's probably going to feel better than it has in five or six years. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, he's going to come in. He's going to come in, and he's 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 going to have a point to prove. I think maybe for the first time in his career. Which yeah. is, you know, that's some nice motivation when you start getting the age that he's at and yeah. haven't had all the success. Sometimes a little kick in the ass is good. I don't, I don't even want to see what he can do when he's pissed off. And so much attention now, you know, uh, rightfully so focused on on, uh, on Acuna and also Ozzy. So right. Freddie's not, you know, the, the linchpin that he had to be before. And that's a good thing for the Braves. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that 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 factors in for him at all, you know, being the guy or not. I think he just wants to win. So he's a good guy to have, you know, in in the heart of the order like that with 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 a chip on his shoulder. I'm I'm, (laughs) we'll see what he does. Yeah. So, yeah, catcher ranks up there with me, too, for the reasons you said. He's got with a young staff still and all that. Uh, If the bidding for Grandal goes where we think it's going to be, I don't think the Braves are going to do it because they got those two catching prospects coming up. And I don't think they just – if you commit to Grandal for three, four years or three years even, you're just saying basically we're done with our catching prospects because they're not going to play unless somebody gets hurt, unless he gets hurt. So uh, I think they'll go in another direction How's his defense? Good. How's Grandal's defense? It was really good last year. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know – he was arguably as good or better overall catcher than Real Muto last year, but overall, really, but yeah, a lot of people think he should have won the Silver Slugger award, but but I just don't see him doing that because of these two guys that got coming up, and especially their first round draft pick last year with Langoliers. Um, so I could see him going, you know, a far lesser, a short guy, a short uh, for one year deal, you know, uh, trading for someone or go out and getting a guy like Castro, uh, the Twins guy come in and platoon with Flowers or. 
Yeah, there there are a few options out there, so we'll see where. Or, or you know what, the Padres have got depth, man. They got three young guys that can't play them all, and any one of them I think would be a a big plus for the Braves if they could get one of those. Especially Austin Hedge is the the pitch framer, but I, they love him, the starter. But he didn't hit much, but he, he's yeah. A for me, well, the pitch framers, man, if they go automatic strike zone, those pitch framers lose all their value overnight. Yeah. Um, well, but, yeah, but for you know, one more year, they're not doing that at least for next one more year. year. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me. Um, uh, the offense has never been a priority from a yeah. catcher. It's kind of like a nice bonus, right. but uh, and it's another one of those things you really can't measure. But it, having a catcher back there, um, calling pitches, man, is I mean, it's everything. So yeah, yeah. you you know, it's you're basically a quarterback in a sense. You, you're calling all the plays, and and you know, you got to hope that the the pitcher makes the the pitches that you call. But if you got a guy back there that's not invested or not a leader, and it, it'll, you could have a terrible season. And then all your pitchers just have bad numbers. It never really reflects on the catcher as much. But um, that that would be priority number one for me is just somebody that can team up right. with flow. Um, right. And you feel like they can handle the staff. It worked It worked a few years ago pretty well with uh, Suzuki and, and Flowers and Absolutely. something like that. Yeah. That that's something you could do for a year or two and buy you time till you feel like those prospects are ready. And yeah. then, you know, maybe those guys rake and it's this nice bonus. But um pitch calling and, and you know, kind of handling a staff would be yeah, especially with a young staff. I think you just you can't chance it with a guy that's just okay back there defensively. Right. Agreed. Um just last thing on J D. I, I don't know where the where the contracts are gonna go, but I, I we've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm thinking, you know, if they could do, if they could get him two years in a third year option, I might be dreaming at this point. But if they could, um, would you do something like, you know, fifty five million, maybe two seasons at twenty five per, with a five million dollar buyout and a twenty five million dollar option, so it could potentially be three years seventy five, but but he'd be guaranteed, you know, fifty five over two. I'd do that in a heartbeat. I don't know if it'd be good enough though. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to get it done no. in, in December. Yeah. You know, that's not going to get it done in January. If yeah. if his market doesn't develop the way he wants to, I think that could get it done in in February. But yeah, he's got to be shooting for at least three guaranteed years with an option. It, it, I think you know. Yeah, and if it's two in an option, it's got to be closer to sixty million guaranteed. I would think. I think sixty sixty would be nice, but I, I don't think any of that gets it done for the yeah. next couple months. I think you're right. I think, think you're right. Think you're right. Be, going to hold out for that third year guaranteed because that's big want, you know i would too if i were him it is it's his last contract yeah. that third year guarantee could mean everything if you know the health starts to go or whatever that's you got to get it if you can and you wait until uh you know you wait until there's only a couple of suitors left and then you say okay screw it we can't get it let's now we take it but until then you try for that third or, or third year guaranteed and then maybe even a fourth year option who knows yeah and you, you never know you know some team might say you know we'll give you yeah. a lower you know, value for more guaranteed years, and it's going to be his preference uh, whether he wants a guaranteed contract for longer. Some team might say, right. we'll give you, you know, four years, 100, or five years, 120, and just say, yeah, well, you know, if, if the backside of this deal doesn't work out, but we got him for, you know, 20 a year, 25 a year up to then. But yeah, that's a good point. I really see it being, I really see it being like a, you know, it's going to be a three-year deal, I think, with an option. Kind of a scale. I think he's earned three years. The scaled down, like a look at look at it, like a scaled down uh, version of Bryce Harper, way scaled down. But you look at even if even something creative like uh, four plus a plus an option, and and there's a hundred million dollars guaranteed. You know, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Maybe twenty five a year. Yeah. We'll in the see. AL, you could do that. Like I said, because he's going to be able to hit, even if he can't run very much, he's still going to be able to hit. 
So, and that might cost the Braves, you know, that might cost the Braves not having that DH slot that they can, you know, because you know, they really want the guy, but, and he might have um, that DH slot by then, you know, by the time he's at the back end, but he's not able to play third base anymore. We don't, but we don't know that for sure in the NL. They might not have it at all. Yeah. Yeah, You can't bank on (laughs) it. You can't bank on it. Um, we'll see. Hey, before we go, I got to ask about, uh, I don't know how much of this you've, you've kept up with or, or if you, but the, the, or if you just know the vagaries of it, but the MLB, proposed plan which is 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 not far-fetched it could very well happen it sounds like it's i mean because obviously the teams have already voted 30 nothing 30 to zero to do this but it would eliminate or sever ties with 42 minor league affiliates basically it would eliminate the rookie half season rookie ball and maybe have just one uh one big single a level instead of low a and high a so there's a couple of braves teams involved too that they would sever ties with Danville Rookie League, Danville in Virginia, and with the floor, the uh, High A Florida State League Fire Frogs in uh, in the Florida State League. So, what what what's your first thought when you when you hear about this? I, uh, minor leaguers getting what they asked for. Maybe they maybe you look out, yeah. you, you, you <laughs> get, look out, or you get what you uh, you get what you asked for when they wanted more money. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought of it too. Um, I don't like to admit that, but that was just kind of the the first thought in my head was this is what is happening because the guys have made so much fuss about their pay yeah. um, the last few years. I mean, I think the last two or three years, there's been a lot of momentum and people, you know, uh, going to journalists or tweeting shit out, uh, yeah. you know, we need more money or look how bad we're living and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm sure the, the teams, you know, took note and that it frustrates them to see, um, you know, how, how their minor leaguers are, being you know portraying their lifestyle and everything like that and right. it is hard it's brutal and it, they're not getting paid enough but um i kind of thought this is the type of solution they'd wind up with you know was some kind of thing where it's well all right well now 400 of your buddies are going you know go work at costco and here's an extra hundred dollars a month you know something yeah. like that uh it just kind of seemed like the way the answer they'd get um i always looked at the minor leagues as more of like a paid internship or a lottery you know, free lottery ticket, you know, paid lottery uh-huh. entry, you know, where uh-huh. it's just, you know, if it works out, you could be making millions. If not, you're going home and, and guys have to just kind of, guys have always had to just, you know, make that decision when it's not looking like there's any hope, you know, you kind of got to shut it down. Cause you yeah. see guys play, you see guys play six, seven year careers in the minor leagues that, that have no shot, 0% shot at making it to the majors. Um, yeah. And I, so efficiency wise, this is probably something I think you told me they, they wanted to do this for a while anyway. And I think the the whole pay, the minor league pay getting, you know, so much publicity just gave them kind of a the go ahead and, and a 30 zero votes. Pretty, uh, pretty convincing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it makes a lot of, you know, logistically, it makes yeah. a lot of sense to have just less teams and guys and stuff like that and kind of streamline the whole thing. But, man, it sucks I, for all these all these cities losing, you know, minor league affiliates. That sucks. Yeah. You know, I can see both sides of this. Absolutely. Because I, if I could tell you the number of, of team execs from, from various teams that I've had tell me over the years, and especially in recent years, that there's too many minor league teams. They don't too need many. that many. 
So the draft was so big. The other part of this is they the big part, they would cut the draft from 40 rounds to 20 rounds and move it back from June to August. And all of a sudden, you don't need those half-season rookie league teams because guys just start their careers the following year. They go through a camp in the meantime, get, you know, kind of, as they said, indoctrinated to the whole metrics thing. That part of it was Houston's idea, by the way. They were one of the driving teams behind this plan, um, which might raise red flags <laughs> given all that's happened recently. <laughs> But <laughs> now I don't trust it. <laughs> now that's a bad idea. I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. This does not feel good anymore. I don't over. know if it's smarter. <laughs> On hindsight, let's start over. No, but uh, so the basic gist of it is, from from what I can tell, is you're eliminating those rookie league teams and low A, and you're combining it, making it single A instead of low A and high A, and you'd have maybe more A ball teams, but you wouldn't have uh, – you would have more overall A-ball teams uh, in one classification, but fewer teams because you, you know you don't have low A and high A, which right now uh, every team's got low A and high A, and they wouldn't have that in the future. Maybe some teams would have a couple A-ball, but most would have one. So you'd have an A-ball. I saw no difference between those two levels. Yeah. Skill-wise, it yeah. was it's the same league. It's just different locations. It just goes back to having so many players. In the minors, You like you said, yeah. most of them don't have – a lot of them don't have any chance of ever getting to big leagues. So you'd cut out those kind of guys – so you wouldn't have as many Rudy type stories, um, and you know I like I said I can see both sides of it because I really feel for those towns. There's hundreds of well, yeah. not hundreds, but they're talking 42 teams that would sever ties with major league teams. Well, those teams are looking at it. It's like okay, well, we're going to survive. Will we even have a team? Will we be part of this? What probably MLB, not. MLB is calling a dream league. Where because guys would be in their dream to play What's in the that? big leagues, it would be undrafted <laughs> players basically playing an indie oh, ball team. Oh that's terrible. Yeah, and if you're telling me that <laughs> 42 ter- places go play in the dream league, you'd never. This league would never survive. You know, you can have indie ball survive. No. You know, on the fringes, barely happening. get by with 50 people in the crowd, but <laughs> and some isolated cases where you do have decent attendance, but not many. You're not going to have a league of that. Because, guys, people aren't going to pay money to go out and see two teams full of undrafted players who have very little. I mean, it's, you know, sure, you have a, a player here and a player there that gets to the big leagues eventually, but it's isolated. I mean, and it's, it's you know, it's Brandon yeah. Beachy made it from Indy Ball. There's a couple other Braves recent years, but not many. You're watching a whole different level of uh, of play. As You can tell people well, that's a totally different type of, uh, of baseball in the Indy League than you're seeing in, in uh, affiliated minor league ball. Yeah, I, the indie leagues is it's kind of tricky because I'd say it's probably like a double A level because um, you got a lot of guys with yeah. the skill and, and knowledge of of even triple A that just don't have the ability anymore. Right, right. And um, some of them play, but the big you make leagues. a bad. Yeah, you make a bad pitch to them. They'll get to. It's kind of a. It's just a a big mix. But yeah, um, yeah. You know, I feel for the cities that are losing their teams, and I just I the only question I really have for this is how. You know, you talk about growing the game, and yeah. you keep hearing we want to grow the game and all right. this. That right. I don't, I don't see how this is going to help grow the game <laughs> exactly. in any way. Getting less people exposed to baseball, I'm sure. You know, I I know it's just business now, though, and that's that's how everything's looked at in baseball. Is it's just cut and dry. You know, bottom line, whether it makes sense um, numbers wise or not, and I'm sure it doesn't make any sense numbers wise. But um, I'm, I, it's the same thing. I don't know if you can measure the experiences that kids would have going and watching pretty damn good baseball players yeah. um, hit, a, hit a ball 450 feet for the first time in their life. I've, I remember I went to an Aqua Sox game, uh, A-ball team up here. It's short season, so I guess they'd get axed. Uh, 
But I saw a guy hit a home run. It was the coolest thing ever um, with a wood bat. You know, I was just like, I want to do that one day. You know, and it, those are the type of things you see as a kid that get you into baseball. So, yeah, growing the game, I'm I'm not sure this is the best move at all. I think it's probably you know kind of short sighted, but um, you know, business wise, I'm sure it makes sense. Yeah, that's what it, and that's what it's about. All these decisions are made with business bottom line in hand, and uh, and and you'd cut out a lot of the travel, you know, that uh, minor leaguers have complained about, and 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 you'd move. What you would do is, you know, uh, if you're like the like the Braves would lose this low A team in Florida, they'll move the affiliate closer to Atlanta if they if they have a you know they might just have one A ball team and have it in Rome, for instance, but. Uh, like Chattanooga, man, there's places where they're really like these idyllic or bucolic settings and smaller places, a lot smaller than that, that where the the minor league team is the center of activity all summer. And all of a sudden it's gone. And to baseball, it's just like we're doing this to save money. But to those towns, they thrive on baseball in these A ball, low A, yeah. rookie ball, even like Danville, Virginia. You know, you take a little ballpark that's like the center of things for three months and all of a sudden there's no baseball there anymore, you know. Or there's an indie league team trying to survive. So man, it changes yeah, that's life really sad. for a lot of people that's, around the country. Yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah, this is that that's not good for, for baseball. But you know, yeah. that's you hope, you hope there's been plenty like of things like that that Yeah. You know, you just that doesn't make perfect sense to me. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I guess I just see kind of both sides of it. Right. I, I understand what's happening and why they're doing it and I know it's it's what they want to do, they're gonna do it. But it yeah. does suck, man. It's that there's a lot of a lot of fans could be gained through minor league baseball in, in my mind because then you get to go see a big league game and it's even cooler yeah. you know but and they want to reorganize we'll this too and get these and get get some uh affiliates closer to the parent team to eliminate a lot of this really long distance travel too so it, it could be a lot of teams switching a lot of uh, them shuffling teams from one affiliate to another too so you just hope a place like say Chattanooga that's got a you know, a great setting for their ballpark and, a, you know, big, uh, 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 some nice little, uh, uh, big little town, you know, or a small city. And all of a sudden, a town with 150,000 people doesn't have a team. So you would hope that somebody relocates and has an A ball team there or something. So, but they're, but right now, they're, they're one of the 42 that loses it, loses uh, yeah. affiliation. So, yeah. All right, man. That, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. I understand. The worst part about it is they're calling it the Dream League. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost yeah. a slap in the face. You know, if you guys wanted to make more, yeah, go play in the keep Dream dreaming. League. That's, yeah, keep dreaming. Yeah, that's brutal. I don't think they'll stick with that. That's almost kind of like just saying why it's happening. It's like think, mocking but, them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It feels like it. Go play in the Dream League, buddy. Yeah, that's that's brutal. All right. Well. uh We'll talk to you later, and we are 755 is real, and we're out. All right, Eric, I'll see you later, man.